The New Age Christianity Podcast is brought to you by... Hello, New Age Christian family. This is Austin Fletcher. You are listening to the New Age Christian Podcast, and this is episode number 46. It is our sixth episode in the Path to Enlightenment series, and today I want to kind of just go over the last four episodes and wrap a few things up for you. I've had a lot of questions from people about the different personality types through the DISC personality profile, how they interplay together, and Lots of people feeling like I got close to describing them, but not exactly. And there's a reason for that. Because all of these personality types, they play together and they influence each other. And so I'm hoping maybe today to kind of just unpack the big picture for everybody and uh, then move on from there to the next few episodes in unpacking some tools that each and every one of us can use as we understand ourselves and enlightenment and working with other people to get there. So... Without further ado, let's get started and let's go through some tips and tricks on the DISC personality profile. Well, to all of my fellow Enlightenment seekers, here we are and, uh... (laughs) To all the D's and I's and S's and C's out there, hopefully you have enjoyed the last four episodes. I definitely know I have. And uh, this episode, as mentioned in the intro, is kind of, it's meant to be a big picture wrap up. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to be a very long episode in that sense. Uh, I just have some notes and tips and tricks, if you will, that I've learned over the years. I've been studying the personality profiles really since I was a kid. Uh, I think I mentioned in one of the episodes that my mom, she was training to be a counselor uh, when my parents got divorced. And the uh, she went through Personality Plus, which you know uses different language, but it's still kind of four different personalities. And they're very much broken up in this in a very similar way. There's lots of different personality assessment uh, things out there. But uh, DISC has become my favorite simply, if anything, because it's the one I'm the most familiar with. And it's the one, you know, when you find a common language, it's, it becomes the thing that you, uh, you start to see everywhere. So the study that I've been on, I feel like I've learned a few things over the years about how it really works. Again, Danny Silk has a video uh, called Know Yourself and Know Your Team. And at the beginning of this video, he, he's, he talks about why he's going to talk about this. Because he, he says, you know, here's the deal. We're all powerful people. We all want to be powerful people. We're all movers and shakers in our world. And, and everyone is, their, is the hero in their own mind. You know, <laughs> it's a very rare moment for somebody to wake up and view themselves suddenly and go, you know what? I'm the problem with the world today. I'm one of the stupid ones. I'm one of the mindless gray matter individuals. I, <laughs> I was at work. Um, I'm going, I've gone back into the construction industry and, um, the, there was a couple guys that I work with talking about how there, there's just so much stupid in the world and stupid people are breeding and the stupid is increasing and how we're outnumbered, which the implication is, is that we're the smart ones and everyone else is stupid. 
But the reality is, is depending on who you talk to, you know, three dudes on a, three stonemasons on a construction site, they're the stupid ones, right? Or three Christians, they're the stupid ones. Or three Muslims, they're the stupid ones. Or, you know, so the definition of everyone else is stupid and I'm smart and me and my friends are the smart ones. Nobody, no, nobody lives a day-to-day existence where they go, you know what? I'm still the problem. I'm, I have, I was the problem yesterday. I'm still the problem today because I'm one of the mindless gray masses. I believe everything the media tells me and I believe that I'm stupid. No, we can have those moments where we kind of wake up and smell the coffee, if you will. Like, wow, I need to rethink myself and what I let believe and what I, what I see. But nobody lives day to day thinking they are not the hero. They, 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 they don't, no, nobody believes themselves to be the villain all the time. And so it becomes an exercise in self-awareness and realizing that all of us have work to do and all of us interplay and we grow and we change. And that has by and large been my experience with understanding personalities and understanding the dynamics of human, human relationships uh, that this it's it's about trying to get better at interacting with others and seeing the value in others and seeing and seeing your strengths and your weaknesses, being honest with yeah maybe I am the villain in this and maybe I am a coward here and maybe I'm not the hero over here, and then over here these are my strengths this is what I'm really good at this is what I rock at, and Danny Silk kind of introduces that idea of of understanding yourself and understanding your team know yourself know your team. So that you can build around your strengths and manage around your weaknesses and then build around the strengths of those around you and manage around their weaknesses. And in having done that for a while now, I have learned one of the main things. So we all have multiple facets to our our makeup, right? Our personality. Duh, right? (laughs) I, I went through the high D, the high I, the high S, and the high C. And some of us are exactly that, right? There were very there are people in the world who are very high D or very high singular, you know, their makeup emphasizes this this part this particular uh, this particular personality quadrant and that the others are can be quite dulled out and quiet. Um, and so some of you may have listened to this and be like, oh yeah, you described me to a T. You didn't leave anything out. A lot of people, you know, you you heard bits and pieces of yourself in the D and in the I or in the D and the C or it, it is a knowing that you usually have a primary and a secondary personality trait or personality set. And so I've used different examples of people that you have met on this podcast, uh, including myself, Ron and Kayleen Hale. Um, I've talked about, I think I've mentioned uh, Kat before. I know I've mentioned my wife. Um, And so I'm going to do what I can to kind of tell some real life examples from, from myself and the experiences that I've had that, you know, the higher your secondary personality trait is, the more it will influence and flavor your personality. So I'll speak for myself in this case. I am a C.I., and so I'm a conscientious influencer. So it is, you know, there's there's things that C's typically are 
quiet, more internal processors. They have a laboratory inside. There's a there's a laboratory inside every C where they go in, and if a mistake's going to be made, it's going to be made in the laboratory. It's not going to be made in the real world. Unless, of course, so that is that is very common for most Cs. Like my wife is a pretty high C, so she's she is the classic C where she says, hey, I need to think about this for a while. And she will. She'll go and think about it. Whereas I have an influence of my eye that says, I need to think about it. Therefore, I need to talk because eyes are verbal processors. And so I do a lot of talking. And those of you who know me well, personally, know that I'm, I often discover stuff that I didn't know I knew while my mouth is moving. <laughs> so... And I'll admit, and I'll admit it to people like, "Oh, I didn't know I knew this." And some people, some people get mad at that because uh, some stuff that comes out of my mouth is can be fairly profound, and and the fact that I didn't know it until I said it can be a bit annoying to people. But that's that's the interplay between my C and my I. My C has all this data and all this information, and for me to unlock it, I have to start talking. And you know, I don't. I didn't know this for years. I didn't know that uh, verbal processing was something that I needed in order to fulfill my personality. And I spent my younger years more quiet and introverted. But uh, as I've matured and grown and I've gotten more and more data, I've realized that I need to process it more and more and more. And so there's, I have found people in my life, and this is, you know, one of those tips and tricks. I have, I found a strength slash weakness, depending, depending on how you look at it, that I need to verbal process. So I found that in my life, that if I can find specific people who will listen to me process, but not count the things I say as conclusions. Uh, I think a really good example of this is you know when you're trying to figure out what to do with a business decision and if you're a verbal processor if you're if you have any eye in you and you process verbally and you sit down with a team member and you go you know I was thinking about this 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 and and what you know I, and you just kind of process this whole decision you're making and you can get to the end of it and you go you know what I think we're going to do this if you're talking to an a C or even an S, and sometimes even a D. If you're talking to any of the other primaries, and you get to the end of a 30-minute conversation, and you say, I think we're going to do this, there's a really good chance that they just heard you say, this is what we're going to do. If you're an I, you know that you're like, no, that's not what I said. I said, well, I think we're going to do that. It's not the same as saying that's what we're going to do. It's not a decision. It's it's a process. And so I've had to learn how to tell the people in my life hey, right now I'm processing. Please do not hold me to this quote-unquote decision that isn't a decision because I change my mind in theory. People think, dude, you change your mind all the time. It's so annoying. And I'm like, no, I, I didn't change my mind. What are you talking about? I never made up my mind. <laughs> like, dude, you just said this is what we're going to do. And I said, no, that's what I think we're going to do. But I didn't make up my mind. I was processing. And as a C, I process a lot of data. And so it, and it can be quite overwhelming for people to sit down with me, have a two hour conversation and get to the end of it. And I don't even agree with it. 
Christopher Teasdale was, you know, he, he was such an amazing person for me for years. I didn't know this about myself. And yet he, just who his personality is, and his and he was very high S, and so just kind of being what people need and serving and just being available and listening, he gave me for years, he was kind of my primary uh, person to bounce ideas off of because he wouldn't hold me to them. He would just let me process. And neither he nor I knew that's what we were doing. Uh, but over time, we learned like, oh my gosh, that's what I do. I go process for, I go, I'll light up a cigar and get a glass of bourbon and I will talk for two hours about something. And at the end of it, I let it go because I haven't made any decisions. I've just been thinking out loud and knowing that I've been able to then surround myself with people and be able to get into a conversation and say, hey, this is a processing conversation. Understand that. And there's certain people that can't stand it, right? There's certain personalities like, look, process with somebody else. Let me know when you have a decision or why, why are we wasting all our time talking? You know, and you'll find those different personalities to be typically a, a D who doesn't want to waste time or a C who would rather be in their laboratory instead of having all these conversations that they don't know what to do with. Uh, S's are usually really good at being a verbal processing uh, partner. You know, even another tip and trick in there is if you are an I, then under and and you've got you know like in the in the case of me and Joni, my wife she's got S in her personality makeup. So whenever we do have a verbal processing conversation, she leans into the S side of her, where she realizes I'm not trying to come out of my laboratory with an answer. I'm trying to process. And so she sets her C aside, and leans into the S side of her, where she's trying to she wants to be a service to me. She wants to help. And uh, you can imagine the different conversations that we've had to have over the years. A lot of them are about personal stuff. A lot of them are are between she and I and the decisions that we're making. And if you've ever been married, you can imagine how useful it is to sit down with your spouse and say, hey, I'm processing. That way your spouse can then lock into a different mode and say, okay, I'm here for you. And they don't walk away thinking that you just made a decision. They don't walk away thinking that your process is your conclusion. Then they don't <laughs> get the frustration of an ever-changing, you know, constantly changing surroundings, the, 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 a constantly changing world where, well, you said this yesterday, now you're saying this today, and you said this last week, now you're saying that this week. Eyes do that, right? Because they're processing. And so give your eyes and your life some grace. And if you are an eye, understand that that's what you do and start letting your friends and family know that that's what you're doing. And it becomes infinitely easier to work with them and to realize, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking right now. I'm thinking out loud. Can you help me? That would be great. And uh, it can be fun to be able to do that. Find another eye and oh my gosh, now you can go for, you know, like when Kaylee and I get together. We're both, we both have I in us that we, we do lunch, we do four hour lunches and we usually kind of have to make ourselves stop and get back to normal life, but we process so much. And so now you get the interplay between that primary and secondary in the case of most people, you know, so Ron, Hale and myself, that we're on opposite quadrants, right? So if it's the DISC is a circle and it goes counterclockwise, you know, top left is D, top right is I, bottom right is S, bottom left is C. 
I'm in the bottom left and the top right. Ron is in the bottom right and the top left. He and I are almost opposites, which makes our conversations really cool, by the way, because we kind of get all the angles. But that's not super common. And so most people are going to be, you know, on either the full left side or the full top side or the full bottom side or the full right side, you know, and like Kaylee is an, is an IS, right? So she's both her for her, for her full personality is on the right side of the quadrants. So in this case, she is, you know, her secondary is S. And so while she's a major verbal processor like myself, she doesn't, you know, I'll verbal process with mountains of data and, hey, did you read this book? Did you watch this video and everything like that? And lots of research and everything like that. She'll verbal process, and I'll tell you, and it's one of the tools that it's at the end of this to talk about the five love languages as another assessment. She'll verbal process very people-focused. So I'll verbal process very data and task-focused, and she'll process people-focused. Because that secondary you know, flavors what matters to you. And so when we get together and talk about a business idea, I'm talking about the numbers and I'm talking about, you know, the, the business opportunity that, and she's talking about how it can influence people and how this people, this person would really enjoy, you know, being a part of it. And everything. And so you can see in our conversation, our secondary really flavors that I side of us. Um, this goes for, you know, I know my wife, she's as an SC or a CS. So she is very deliberate, right? She's not very fast paced. She's on the bottom side of the quadrant, but, uh, you know, I'm C as well. So when she and I have conversations around data and all that stuff, it's great. And she then kind of works into a more people oriented and a more deliberate orientation for, uh, decision-making and is more internal and, I'm up there on the I side, you know, talking for hours and she's just listening. And when we get to the information and she'll ask really poignant questions because she understands where I'm at on the data side. And then I'll talk, I'll emphasize more about how it's going to change the world and influence people. And she's like, yeah, but that that's fine. But what, how's it going to work? Right. And so we're both have C, but my I gets all excited and optimistic about how it's going to change the world and her S and her C play in to be more practical and, you know, just want to know how, how it's going to happen and, and what's the details. So that primary secondary interplay shows up in so many ways. And if you just think about it and the best way to think about it, and this is actually kind of new for me in doing this series, I've studied the disc personalities profile stuff for years, but it wasn't really until doing this series that I kind of drilled down on the quadrants. And that can really, it's not very difficult to understand, but dang, it's really useful. It kind of simplifies the interplay for all of this. So what I mean is on the left side of the circle, you have your task-oriented people, your Ds and your Cs. On the right side of the circle, you have your people-oriented people, your Is and your Ss. So let's say you had somebody who was a DC, you would have somebody who, you know, obviously is going to be a task oriented individual and you can still have the different, the different elements. It's not, doesn't just have to be a high D it can be a DC, but what you're going to get is someone who's not really concerned about people's opinions, not really concerned about making sure people are on board. They're going to do what needs to be done and they're going to do it in quite a tank like fashion. 
because they're so task-oriented. So if you have a DC or a CD in your life, you might have somebody you know, um, who's very data-based and you know, deliberate, and they may not be a tank, but they're still not really concerned about what you think. They're still not really concerned about making sure people are on board and, and influencing. They're just worried about making the right decision. When they make it, they're going to make it, whether you like it or not. So if you're going to have people, a DC or a CD on that left side of the quadrant, what you're going to get is a task-focused person who doesn't really care about other people's opinions and reactions and responses. And I've seen this firsthand where as someone who's on both sides of that quadrant, you know, it can seem like your task-oriented people are heartless. And yet, you know, I think a mature individual, and if they're immature, they could be, but a mature person on that side of things can find a way to work around that and, and make it their strength. And the, you know, that's where one of the other tools that we're going to go over in a couple of weeks is the culture of honor, where it's a great way to kind of soften, soften the, the, the tank-like nature of task-oriented people. Then you get on the right side, you have your people-oriented people. So like Kaylee Hale is a perfect example of this. I already mentioned she's an IS. And this also goes if you're an SI. Point is, is that you don't really care about a list of tasks at all. You want to, you care about people. You want to, you not only want to influence them, but you want to care about them. You want to engage them. If it's not, if it's not about people and about um, connection, then it's not worth doing. And so giving a, an IS or an SI a whole bunch of tasks to do is going to kill them, right? If they're going to be doing it by themselves. So tell, you know, give them a team to be a part of, give them, uh, ask them to be, you know, Danny Silk says uh, in knowing yourself, know your team. He talks about like, you don't want to put C's in charge of the fun and you don't want to put I's in charge of the agenda, right? Work around your strengths, work around your weaknesses. And then if you're an IS, don't go get a job that makes you sit in a cubicle all day by yourself, you know, knocking out data entry. It will kill you. Go get a job at Starbucks where you can talk to people or, you know, you get the point. Go get a sales job, something like that. And vice versa, if you're task oriented like that, then, you know, sales is kind of a difficult career if you can't just knock stuff down and you can't, you know, it's hard to make a list of tasks because everything is so flowing and moving. And we'll get that, we'll get that in the end of some of the, you know, insights about how to not stretch the rubber band so thin uh, that you uh, can't sustain it in your life. So the task and people orientation, then you get the... This is a big one that um, I did not really realize until this episode was how the different personalities view their environment. I emphasized it already, so you're aware of it now. But if the D's and the C's, they view their environment as unfavorable. And the I's and the S's view their environment as favorable. So this explains myself, and I'll, I'll use myself as much as possible, the, uh, you know, when I get, when I feel powerless, I get stupid op- optimistic, right? And the reason eyes get stupid optimistic is because they view the environment as being favorable. They also, if you, so that's left, right, but, and then you go top, bottom, D's and I's view themselves as being more powerful than the environment and S's and C's view themselves, the environment being more powerful than them. And so an I 
get stupid optimistic because they think they're more powerful than the environment and the environment is favorable. So when they feel powerless, they lean on that. No, but it's fine. I'm totally, because uh, I'm going to change the world and the world's awesome. <laughs> and nothing wrong is going to happen. And it gets kind of, I've seen it in myself and I'm looking back at my life going, oh my gosh, so many bad decisions. <laughs> So many bad decisions when I felt powerless because my optimism kicked in and I've always believed myself to be more powerful than my environment, but <laughs> not being real, realistic about the environment isn't always favorable. And it's also, it's also not always unfavorable, right? So learning, and I've also found that the C part of me, kind of this, this is the interplay between the two where my stupid optimism kicks in and then eventually if I'm wrong it rolls into the C part of me where now I'm powerless my environment is more powerful than me and uh the fear kind of goes on overload of like oh now the absolute worst is going to happen so it it's kind of a, a bipolar thing a bit where you know I'm stupid optimistic until I'm not and then I'm like super not like I'm any penny, according to Danny Silk. And uh, it explains so much in my life, understanding how I've responded and gone through scenarios where I feel powerless. And so now when I catch my mind thinking of super optimistic, like maybe I'll win the lottery. And I'm like, what am I feeling powerless about? Because when I find that super high kind of dumb optimism, I know that's a trigger. That's a trigger. It's it's something in me is feeling out of control. I'm feeling uh, powerless and I'm looking for something to make me feel better. So understanding how you view your environment. If you are a DC, your environment is unfavorable. And at sometimes you're, and here's the thing, you're going to be on both sides of this quadrant because you might be, your environment may be unfavorable, but sometimes you feel more powerful than it with your D or sometimes you feel less powerful than it with your S or with your C. If you're an IS, the environment is favorable, but sometimes you feel more powerful, like I've mentioned, or less powerful. Maybe you're a DI, right? So sometimes your environment is favorable, sometimes it's not but you always feel more powerful than it. Or maybe you're an SC. Sometimes your environment is favorable, sometimes it's not, but you always feel less powerful than it. So understanding where you fit, if you're a, a, a CS, right, and you're on the bottom side of the quadrant, realize that, that, that viewing yourself, the environment as more powerful than you is going to be a pretty standardized perspective for you. Because both sides of your person, both, both top, parts of your personality view the environment as unchangeable and your goal is to adapt to it. And if you're a DI, then it's the opposite, right? You're always going to change the environment. Nothing, there's nothing you can't do. So that's going to be a major filter for you. If you're on just the left side of the quadrant, then it's not about whether or not you can change it. It's about whether or not it's in, in favorable. DCs are going to regularly see the problems in the environment. ISs like Kaylee are going to regularly see how awesome the world is and, and their, their optimism is going to be really high. So you're going to have your pessimist and your optimist. So I'm, I'm telling you all these things to kind of look inside and go, okay, so historically, have I been, am I, am I regularly pessimistic? There's a good chance that you're a DC or a CD. 
Am I always optimistic? Well, there's a really good chance that you're an IS. And, you know, so I've looked back at my life and understood this environment interchange, that it's favorable or unfavorable, that it's more powerful than me or I'm more powerful than that. And it's unlocked a lot of my history and my bad decisions and my powerless moments. And I have a uh, really, really was glad to kind of unpack this. It's made so much sense for me and a lot of people in my life uh, over the last four weeks. Uh, the last thing regarding the quadrants is the pace at which people move, right? So your DIs are very fast-paced and your CSs are very deliberate. So as you think about that, task-oriented, people-oriented, fast-paced or deliberate, unfavorable environment or favorable environment, more powerful than your environment or less powerful, those four quadrant concepts are pretty much enough to unpack who anybody in your life is. Like you don't need, you don't really need to have everybody take a test uh, when you start to really understand these quadrants. When you understand that your spouse is, you know, <laughs> gets stupid optimistic about the world and doesn't seem realistic at all, there's a good chance that their their eye is kicking in. When And you re- remember the primary powerless emotions. The D is anger. The I is optimism. The S is unemotional at all, like emotionless. And the C is fear. So when you think back to some of the crappiest moments in your life and think back about how you feel about them, how you usually felt about them when you walked into them, I look back and I'm like, man, I have so many moments that just didn't pan out to what I thought was possible. Yeah, that's because my eye was feeling powerless and I thought I thought winning the lottery and all the best things and oh, it's going to be great. I always think that's possible and it rarely ever happens. <laughs> and so all these negative moments that then like plunge me into my sea and make me filled with fear and I am a failure and everything like that. It just kind of has framed like, oh my gosh, it's just, it's just me feeling powerless. And now I can see those triggers in myself and I can course correct. And I can be more honest when I feel like, oh, this could happen and this could happen. And then I laugh at myself and I go, okay, Austin, that could happen. Sure. I'm not going to stop being optimistic, but I need to start being more realistic as well. So Understanding the quadrants is a really, really big thing. It's hard to kind of articulate this verbally without seeing a whiteboard. And, you know, there will there was a post. Uh, my wife put up a post on the New Age Christian uh, Facebook page with the four quadrants. Uh, I you know save that to your phone. It, it was a great. Uh, she made it from scratch, and um, it was a great little tool that uh, I'll try to link to in the show notes. Um. Some other kind of basic quick insights. So one of them that I, I think is worth talking about is the definition of work when quote unquote working. So your D's often will define working as delegating, right? And a D loves to be in charge and loves to delegate. And this is, and these four, okay, they're not, they're as, as everything, there's the disclaimer, this is not to say that if you have a little D in your personality that you are a delegator. It just is to say that if you've got people in your life that, you know, oh, it was a hard day at work, and you ask what they did, and they their answers are basically managing people and delegating, that was a day of work for them. And an S is like, what the crap are you talking about? You didn't get anything done. You just told other people to do stuff. So the S is valuing the fact that other people were given a list of things to do. They did the actual work and that dumb manager over there didn't do anything. So I know plenty of people throughout his, throughout my life that they think managers are idiots because they can't do any work. 
Well, there's a that's probably the S in them that's going, yeah, that, that guy over there who just tells other people what to do isn't doing any work. Well, that guy over there who tells people what to do is probably a D. They think they're working really hard. They're probably putting in more hours than you. And sure, they may not be actually making widgets on the line, but they're managing multiple people. That is work for them. And the guy on the line who says, I'm the one actually making the widgets, I'm the one getting stuff done, getting getting production out the door, they're probably leaning on significant part of them that's an S because S's definition of work is getting stuff done, right? An S uh, doesn't like undefined tasks. And the reason being is, is that S's are very people-oriented and deliberate. And so S's really like lists. And so while D's like to delegate and manage, S's like to knock down a checklist. You know, then S's, anybody, anybody listening to this podcast who's ever made a checklist and at the top of the checklist, you put make to-do list. <laughs> like that's your first line item is make your to-do list. And then you make your to-do list. And then you, at the, at the end of it, you get to check off. I made my to-do list. That's the S in you. <laughs> that is the part of you that wants a very deliberate defined process forward. So that is the definition of work for an S is getting stuff done and lists getting checked off. The definition of work for an I by and large is idea generation. So if you come into a meeting between Kaylee and I, and we're, we've been talking for four hours and you're an S and you say, what have you guys gotten done today? We will start telling you all the ideas we had right? We will start articulating that we could do this and then we could do that and then we could do this and it's great. And we've been working so hard. We've gotten so much done. And and an S is like, you didn't get anything done. Like the emails still haven't gone out. The widgets still aren't made. Yeah, but we have 20 new ideas. (laughs) And so eyes and their idea generation, uh, by and large, that is their definition of work. And then that leaves your C's. So C's, their definition, you know, their definition of work can often be research and study. Uh, knocking stuff down, you know, knocking a list down is fine, but if they need to make sure they're doing it right, and so if they're not sure they're doing it right, then it was wasted work, right? Idea generation is great, but it, how do we know it's the right idea? So, study and research. <laughs> I don't know if there's ever been a scientist in the world, a research scientist in the world, who didn't have a significant amount of C in their personality, and so. Googling and YouTube is a huge part, you know, so if you if you think about people on your team that you catch them watching, you know, you ask them to do something and they go YouTube it and they've they've watched five or six different YouTubes and they've Googled the best way to do something, there's a good chance that that's that C in them working. And the D is like, forget about the best way. What's the fastest way? Just get it done, right? <laughs> Because they delegated it to you and they want to delegate you something else. And, this, and the C is still making sure it's being done right. And the D doesn't feel like they can get work done because you're not getting your job done. And, and you can see the interplay and in how the definition of work can be a bit of a challenge for people to kind of swallow. Because we all think that work is something else. And when we see someone else doing something else, we think they're just lazy and stupid. Or they're doing it wrong. And they don't, we don't trust each other to do it right. You know, just each one of these personalities... You know, and I is not going to trust other people to think of creative ways to solve problems. A D is not going to trust other people to work at the fast enough pace. An S is not going to trust other people 
to consider the dynamics of the team fully and C is not going to trust other people to do it right. Right. So this, this lack of trust and interplay between personalities. And obviously remember that you are most likely at least two of these. And so if you can look in your life and see at different points where you have defined work differently than a coworker or a boss and it created conflict, that conflict largely comes from the definition of what work even is. Um, another thing is that there, I mentioned stretching the rubber band and it's a, become a phrase in my community of people and friends. It's from Danny Silk's Know Yourself, Know Your Team video. And he talks about how, you know, if you can hold your fingers apart a couple inches, you know, your, your pointer finger and your thumb just apart for a couple inches, you know, how long can you do that? Well, you can do that forever. Like it's not hard to just hold your fingers apart. Now, if you put a small rubber band, even a tiny rubber band between those two fingers and you hold them apart, how long can you do that? Well, eventually, even the smallest rubber band is still create fatigue in holding your fingers apart. And that is how it works with a personality and let's say a job or a relationship where it, the longer you have to operate in uh, one of your weaknesses, so let's say you're an S and uh, this, this excludes somebody like Ron, who's an SD or a DS, but let's say you're an SI like Kaylee uh, or an IS like Kaylee. And she's, and she's put in a position where she's got to delegate to people and tell people what to do. And she's got to make hard decisions and fire people and stuff like that. Her people orientation is going to make it very difficult for her to make some of those tough decisions regarding personnel and regarding, you know, hiring and firing and stuff because she's so people oriented that it's a stretch to make sure that she steps into her, you know, to being a boss. And then you get somebody like a a DC who, you know, you don't want to make a DC by and large a customer service represent, representative. Right, it's gonna if if you are a DC and you got to go just do customer service, people are going to annoy the hell out of you. It's going to be a stretch of that rubber band. It's going to create a fatigue. So if you're a DC, don't get a job on a call line. Like don't get a job in customer service where you've got to constantly put on a smile and and be you know the customer's always right. Like DCs are like <laughs> screw that. Customers are not always right. You know, um, and so you get the point. Like stretching that rubber band. If you're a C and you're really introverted. Don't go get a sales job, right? Get a job in, in a cubicle where you can do data entry or you can do, you know, if you're an I and you're really extroverted and you need a verbal process, you need to talk to people, don't go sit in a cubicle for a career. That is literally these, this stretching of the rubber band. While it's something you should be able to do, like that's, that's the next kind of thing is not boxing yourself in. None of this is meant to say, I am a CI and therefore... I will never exercise any maturity in stretching myself to D or S. That's just arrogance and stupidity to box people in, box yourself in. So this is not meant to kind of say you can't stretch the rubber band. This is to say, if you're going to stretch the rubber band, probably don't make a career out of it. (laughs) Probably don't marry that relationship that stretches the rubber band. Like, you can have relationships that stretch you. You can have a job that stretches you. But if you're in a career that is killing you, there's a really good chance that you have stretched that rubber band beyond its breaking point. And you're having to exercise a part of your personality that is just not 
who you are. So don't and stop. Um, don't stress, don't get, put yourself in a position where you've got to constantly be doing that. And again, this is not about making boxes. This is not about labeling your spouse. Oh, you know, it's not about me looking at Joni saying, oh, you're a CS, therefore, um, you're always going to do that, right? So this is, this is not about judging other people and putting them in boxes. I know um, a good friend of mine, you know, it kind of frustrates them, these personality profile uh, assessments, because she's seen so many people get kind of labeled, and then it kind of becomes an excuse to be an ass, right? This isn't about learning yourself so that you don't have to change. This isn't about learning yourself so you don't have to mature, and it's also not a little bit learning other people so that you can prejudge them for, oh, well, they're a D, so they're going to do this anyway. Like, they might, but give up, give people opportunity to surprise you. Give other people opportunity to be mature. And so don't box yourself in. And honestly, the, the, the way of enlightenment is to be able to facilitate what is needed in the moment. So I'm not, you know... I'm not a high D, uh, especially with interpersonal relationships, but I'm finding how many times in my past could I have been more direct and more, you know, forthcoming than I could have leaned into some D personality traits that my I and my C were freaking out at. But my, if I could have leaned on some of that and just intentionally said, I'm going to stretch this rubber band in this particular conversation, in this particular moment, I'm going to be more of what is needed in this moment. Instead of looking at myself in the mirror and going, well, that's just not who I am. Like anybody who tells me anymore, well, that's just not who I am. I kind of immediately go, well, then you're immature. Not because it's not because you need to be different. Not because I'm not saying you don't need to be authentic, but it's because if you acknowledge that the advice that was just given to you or the thing that you need to do should, could be different. And then your, your excuse is, well, that's not who I am. Well, then you're literally saying is, I know the right thing to do. I'm just not going to do it. And that is almost verbatim a scripture to him who knows the right thing to do. And he does not do it to him. It is sin, right? And so if your, your personality becomes an excuse to be stupid, shame on you, right? It's not meant to be a, it's not meant to be that it's meant to be know yourself, know your weaknesses and, and learn how to lean into things. If you're a CS and you have moments where you need to be an I, you need to be bubbly, you need to be a friend, you need to, you know, it's that Christmas party with your family and you're always a sourpuss and nobody wants to be around you because you're, you're, you, it annoys you to have, have to have fun. Like, and I get it. I, I'm, there's been parts of my life where I'm like, no, I'm, this just doesn't really do my, but it doesn't do, it doesn't do it for me. But if you're, if it matters to your grandma to go to a Christmas party and be, and have a smile on your face, do that. Stretch the rubber band for a, for one Christmas party. You know, don't go get a job where you need to constantly be smiley and everything, but just stretch that rubber band. I think you get the idea. Don't box yourself in and don't box other people in. And uh, that is one of the, one of the quote unquote fears that I've had from this, from this series of episodes, because a lot of you have like, oh my gosh, I love this. And I learned that about myself and it's so good. And oh, my husband's this, my wife is that, my friend is this, my kids are that. Yes, they are. Honor that, but don't box them in. Let them surprise you. Let them exercise maturity. Let yourself exercise maturity. And so then last but not least, um, there's two other assessments that, and I think we'll probably do the five love languages as as one of the tools. 
Uh, but at least, and if I don't, I at least want to mention uh, Lemon Leadership and the Five Love Languages. Uh, Lemon Leadership is a, a personality assessment. It's a leadership assessment tool based on the idea that there's five different types of leaders. Uh, the acronym is Lemon. So you have a luminary, uh, entrepreneur, manager, organizer, and networker. And uh, it's a great book. It does a very good job of outlining some of those things. Uh, by and large, I find that the you could really go into just kind of four leadership styles, which would obviously cor- correlate to your dominant influencer, steadfast and conscientious. Uh, but I, I do recommend Lemon Leadership. It is a good book. I enjoyed it. And there's a lot of different insights. Actually, the insights on like the definition of work, um, I kind of played off of what's in that book and, uh, and those concepts. So if you're a C and you want more data, go check that out. And then the five love languages, especially for your people-oriented people, if you have any I or S in you, if you want to supercharge your personality and supercharge your ability to help people, whether you're an influencer and you want to influence people or whether you're a steadfast and you want to support people, supercharge that by understanding the five love languages. Uh, honestly, the best articulator of the five love languages that I know is Kaylee Hale. Um, she, because she's so people already, because she's an IS, it has been very important for her over her life to understand what people need to feel loved. And that's really awesome. That's such a, uh, I've learned so much from her about the five love languages and seeing, um, you know, how to care for people in my life. Uh, it's still, I'm not nearly as good at it as her, as far as kind of pinpointing what somebody's love language is when they need it. Uh, I'm, I'm still very C task oriented. Uh, but if you are on the people side, uh, the five love languages will certainly supercharge your ability, your humanity. Um, and you can become a very influential and supportive person around you. So I just wanted to kind of mention those two tools. Uh, again, we may, I'm debating whether or not we'll go through the five love, love languages as one of the other tools and give it its own episode. Um, but I do really, really believe in it. So, uh, hope you guys have enjoyed this unpacking. It's a bit rambly. I'm sorry. Um, it's it is kind of just a discussion around the disc that I wanted to kind of wrap up and just believing that you know any any loose uh, concepts or loose questions out there that I have answered them or at least given you the tools to be able to answer them for yourself from here out. So uh, next week I've actually already recorded a session with Grant Porteous talking about. The Power of Decision with uh, Raymond Charles Barker. It's uh, it's a longer episode. It was about an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, I loved it. I absolutely loved the discussion. And there's some really good insights. I was blown away, actually, um, by something I, I learned about beliefs. that uh, And someone who studied beliefs as much as I have, and I did not know. So Grant is always good for some amazing insights. And uh, so I hope you guys enjoy that episode next week. And then after that, we'll go into some more tools and continue this Path to Enlightenment series. Hopefully you understand more about yourself. And on side note is the tools that I've recommended for each of the personality types. Take those tests, find out which your top two are, and then look at both of those tools, right? Look at Radical Honesty and the Four Agreements or Radical Honesty and Thomas Troward. Like, you know, wrap your mind around uh, the full concept and figure out what works for you. Because the truth is, is that, you know, each one of us, I mentioned at the end of the last episode, the Holy Spirit is going to lead you. Each one of us has a very specific DNA and a specific path. 
All the books I've recommended came to me. I have a story behind each one and how it even came into my life. Um, some of them are pretty amazing stories. You've heard my story about the Four Agreements uh, through previous episodes. So, you know, let the let spirit, let the universe bring the things you need to you. Hopefully this podcast is part of that process. And uh, learn yourself, know yourself, know the people around you, and uh, let's all keep moving forward. As always, uh, thank you guys for your time. And if you would consider donating, highly appreciate it. Uh, also, if you ever do shopping on Amazon and you would like to support the uh, organization, you can just go to newagechristianity.org. Right on the front page, there's a link to Amazon. Anything you buy from there will be uh, tracked back to us. We would highly appreciate it. Um, or you can go to smile.amazon.com and select Category 5 Ministries as your supported ministry. We also appreciate that. So looking forward to uh, continuing the series and hopefully in the next few weeks I'll be able to put a little bit more effort towards the website and some other projects, but uh, it has become a very busy time of year and uh, appreciate your patience and love all you guys. Talk to you later.